Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Gays Against Guns is an inclusive direct action group of LGBTQ plus people and allies committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death. Investors, manufacturers, the NRA, and politicians who block safer gun laws. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gaze Against Gun Show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm your host, Ty Kersley. This week, be a man. I talked to Jeremy Stein, Executive Director of Connecticut Against Gun Violence, and Mike Song from the Ethan Miller Song Foundation. We talk about responsibilities of gun safety and accountability when it comes to men in our country. Let's start first with Jeremy Stein. So, Jeremy, welcome back to Radio Gag. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, we finally got to meet in person uh, last month, and it kind of sparked some interest in me um, because there were other men in the GVP group that I was talking to. Uh, and, of course, we were there with uh, the Olivers. And there just seems to be a lack of discussion uh, amongst men on what their responsibilities are. And I, I don't even mean just gun owners, but how um, gun safety should be a, uh, a conversation and uh, doesn't seem to be translating like, like it, it did to me in the military or it seems to in other cultures. Do you feel, do you feel that you see this um, anywhere that you see other people trying to hold um, men accountable for their actions, but especially for uh, gun safety? Yeah, I mean, there is a odd shortage of men who are involved in gun violence prevention. Um, and we see an overwhelming uh, amount of um, primarily um, white middle-aged women there that are at the forefront of this movement and we're, we're we are seeing it shift a little bit and but but you know when you go to the you know a a march um you see you see a, a, a lot of women uh, mothers you know mothers against violence mothers united for this um mothers demand um and there's and i you know i do think there is a, a large responsibility by men for a lot of different reasons. I mean, if, and if for no other reason, then we created this mess. I mean, guns were, were invented by, by a man, um, by men. Uh, the AR-15 was invented by a man. Uh, the AK-47 was invented by a man. Um, Colt. Um, well, you know, th this is a, problem that men created um most of the gun violence is perpetrated by men uh even most suicides are men um so yeah i i, I it, it is it is a responsibility of men to try to take care of this in addition to everyone on this planet but um but it but i you know i wish it weren't weren't the case i feel like there's this almost like a tall tale or it, it seems like a myth now that you know men the great protector uh and i think that's what a lot of 
I don't know if men buy into that or just use it as an excuse uh, to arm themselves, but it seems like the great protectors aren't uh, looking out for anyone else. Um, I'll hear people tell me, you know, because if you're an activist um, and we're protesting, we get a lot of pushback and I've had very aggressive men come up and ready to look me dead in the eye and say, you know, I use um, both hands for my gun control. Um, you know, I'm like, okay, great. But then occasionally you do get someone who's like, oh, well, we have safes and, you know, we, we lock our weapons up like this. I'm like, okay, great. What about all your neighbors? What about everyone in your workspace, everyone in your family? And I think that's where laws have worked, especially in Connecticut. So what is the, what, what is the Uncle Sam kind of, you know, lock up your gun motto? What can we kind of create to get this conversation going where the responsibility is uh, if, if you're going to own a gun and have that responsibility to be a protector, if you're saying self-defense, uh, but no one else in the country is safe. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I, w- I want to make something very clear, you know, when I make a comment about like, I wish there were more men involved in the movement, like that's that is not to suggest at all that only men can save us because that's quite it's quite the opposite what you know i can't i can't tell you how many times it's really the women that that save save us save the planet you know we're we all we've all had mothers when we got in trouble in school it's always you know my mother that that got me out of trouble right so um and you know it's so i want to make it clear that like no, I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm women, women, absolutely. If, if, if they were in power and they <laughs> ruled the planet, um, and then I, I think that some of these problems wouldn't even exist. Right. And so, but in terms of, um, in terms of this idea of the great protector, I mean, it is odd that what you don't even hear in this in this conversation, you know, when you hear somebody have this very frequent conversation where it's, I need a gun to protect myself. And it's always, it's almost always couched in, well, I need a gun to protect my family. Right. Right. And so, um, that's justifiable that way. No one argues with you. It seems to be like, okay, well, that's sort of this understanding, but no one is following up saying, okay, but is everyone trained is, you know, are you also spending, you know, time talking about gun safety? Do you do the people that come to your house know there's a gun there? Like all of that stuff is just left behind. Right. And and I think the like the first thing that we that gets left behind is the value of human life. Right. You know, like so people say, well, you know, I don't want somebody to steal my car. That's why I have a gun. I don't want somebody to mug me. That, that's why I have a gun. And, you know, it always strikes me as like. So what you're saying is the ten dollars that you have in your pocket that that is equal to human life and so if you're in that situation you, you you're gonna like shoot and kill somebody um over like the ten dollars in your wallet or a credit card that you could cancel by the by a by an app um but i but i do you know so this this idea that like we forget about the value of life right i think this first and foremost but the other thing is this idea that guns are make, gonna make us safer is just not true um, you know, that, you know, we know very clearly now that having a gun does not make you safer. In fact, having a gun in your home makes you and your family more at risk to die from domestic violence. Um, you're like five times more likely um, to have a suicide in that home. 
um, three times more likely to have an accident in the home. Um, we know from all of the facts and statistics that having a gun also not only makes you more likely to die or get injured in your home from that gun, but just by the fact that you own a gun, studies have shown that you're more at risk to be harmed outside of your home. So um, we know having this gun doesn't make you safer. Um, we also know that there's a huge responsibility with gun ownership that sometimes is forgotten. And we see cases all the time where people leave guns in their cars and then go into a bank or a school. And sometimes they don't even lock their cars. Um, and, you know, this, this means that someone is getting a gun. Someone who's already intent on committing a crime by breaking your car now has a gun. And that gun that's stolen, we know there's a 90% chance that that gun is going to be used in the commission of another crime. Um, so huge responsibility of having a gun. And, 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 I, and I don't think you know, enough people weigh that. Um, and I also don't think we talk about the, the responsibility enough. So, you know, but the idea of this, like the gun's gonna save the day, you know, we see it in every TV and movie program. And I think that at the end of the day, it's about people don't feel safe and they think this is the answer to their safety. Right. How many times do you hear somebody like I just got mugged and then the next thing I do is I went out and bought a gun or my, right. my home was broken into the next thing I did was I bought a gun. Right. That's not going to that's not going to prevent you from getting mugged. It's not going to prevent your house from getting broken into. So I think know? that taps um, into feeling safe in general. Um, if you did feel completely powerless if something was taken from you and that feeling of having the gun. OK, well, now I don't have to feel that way anymore because I know I have this you know, product, but I, I just don't know how else to break through. If you're a proud gun owner or whatever, you should also be proud of your training. You should be proud of your, all of the rules that you have in your range, you should have at home, you know, all of that kind of stuff is left at the range. Well, to... but like, you know, when we talk, when we talk to people, right. And they're what they're boasting of, like even on the internet, these, you know, when you're talking about the stereotypical, you know, guy with the gun, right. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, even even the president's son is boasting about like his big gun, you know, like and and look, I've got this custom made gun like he's not talking about. Look how good. Look how safe I am. You know, look how look how responsible I, I am. You know, like like, you know, and that's maybe that's the, the deal. It's like we, we got to make safety sexier. You know, like right. we, we have to make responsibility like real like, you know, and we talk about, you know, as you said, being a man like. You know, real being being a real man is is you know I mean and, and I and I mean this in this in this stereotypical way, but like it really should be less about this machismo and more about like being a responsible adult, a good parent, a provider, like a good human being, like 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 you know a non-racist, non-biased, <laughs> inclusive, responsible person. That's that's really what it is to be a good human. I want to say one additional thing, if you, you know, because I do think it's important. You, you raise an important point, and I probably know better. Um, uh, you know, and my children would kill me um, if I'm talking about male masculinity. And no, I understand. But I, I do think there's something there, right? Like as, as the world hopefully gets, you know, out of this kind of labeling that we've traditionally done, and we start. I, I hope, you know, the world becomes a place where we just don't care about gender and sexuality and all of that. Um, and, and, and as 
and we've we've seen you know children and, and young adults are way more understanding and open and inclusive and 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 get this on a level that we just did, didn't get when we grew up and i hope that as we progress into a, a, a race that is not so um tied up in gender and and gender roles like maybe that really is the answer to all of this no absolutely i and that's you have to get on board with a lot of things <laughs> you have to get on board yeah, with a lot yeah. of things to let go of what you've been told um but i do want to thank you for returning to radio gag you're always um welcome to uh, also tell our listeners anything that you're working on now yeah and so um so a couple of days ago we actually had the um first meeting the inaugural meeting of uh the commission uh of gun violence prevention and interventions the first in connecticut um and it's um it is geared towards getting m more resources and funding for community-based gun violence prevention. Um, so in Connecticut, we are doing the deep dive into making sure that we concentrate on community-level gun violence, the gun violence that is mostly affecting black and brown communities that occurs in our cities. Um, and, you know, in the end, uh, to make sure that we are looking at root causes. Um, we're getting ready for November. We're getting ready for elections. So pretty soon we will be releasing our grades and endorsements for candidates that are running on the state level. Um, and for everybody that, that is out there, um, if we want, you know, safe, good common sense safety laws, it's, it's all about November. We need good politicians to be in office if we're going to pass common sense gun laws. And I, I want to also take this opportunity to congratulate New York. Um, on their response to the Supreme Court decision. I think it is um, groundbreaking what they created, and I hope that they keep going. And, uh, um, you know, and we're going to be looking at New York laws as well and see if there's anything that New York did. And I know they used some of our laws and they, and they passed them, uh, but we're going to take a look at some of the stuff that New York's done and see if we need some of those laws in Connecticut as well, especially, um, you know, perhaps take another look at um, – uh, a background check uh, for ammunition. I, I think that that is a very uh, interesting way to, 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 it's an interesting answer for the Supreme Court decision. Um, so right. I applaud New York for doing all that. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM, Free Speech Radio. This is Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun Show. You can hear us on WBAI on Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. or on your favorite podcast platform. Next up, we have Mike Song from the Ethan Miller Song Foundation, who spearheaded the passage of the bipartisan gun safety bill called Ethan's Law with his wife, Kristen. I want to welcome you to Radio Gag first, because this is the first time I've had you on here. And just re met you recently um, at the uh, Change the Ref uh, events. And, and your wife, Kristen, had been on the show before. Uh, and I've also lobbied uh, for Ethan's Law. And that's one of the questions I get is like, how do we, how do we talk about the men that won't even put their name on a law that protects um, you know, minors in our country. Yeah, it is really, it really is counterintuitive. There are people out there who are afraid to go into almost any place of business without being heavily armed. Uh, and they're, but they're afraid of taking responsibility 
and locking up their guns. It, it makes no sense. It's completely um, baffling because strong men, in my opinion, strong men understand that they aren't monsters rampaging around the world doing whatever they want. They understand there are laws and there's rules and there's guidelines. And if they play by the rules, then they're going to be more successful. That's how I look at the world. So when someone says kids are dying and someone says unsafe guns are killing, unsafely stored guns are killing kids, I expect every man and of course every woman, but particularly like my my fellow fathers, my fellow dads, you know, my fellow sports uh, fan guys, I expect them to step up to the plate. That's that's what men do. We sacrifice. When you were on your high school, whatever team, football, track, you know, baseball, you sacrificed for the team. It was it was instinctive. It was it was the, what the coach just had to look at you and you'd say, I, "I've got to follow this plan, follow this play." And so for me, uh, I I am deeply disappointed when men um, uh, boast and brag about freedom while they they're absolutely stabbing a knife into the heart of of people like me who have lost a child because some NRA member just couldn't be bothered to open a gun uh, to to take his gun and pop it in a gun safe. So I love your topic. I mean, I'm I'm really have, have strong strong feelings about men in America today. You know, we used to be people who could lose a baseball game and shake hands with the other side. Now we seem to be people who deny that we lost the game. To me, that is the opposite of being a man. That's that's being childish, and and that's something I would expect from a little league player. You know, in in ten ten year old little league players. So throwing a tantrum um, or something. Yeah. So for me, I love your topic. I think guys got to step up to the plate, men and women. But I think particularly fathers, uh, who I talk to, who are really super responsible gun owners. I don't have so much much of a problem with that. You know, I I think when they're when they're irresponsible and and, and they don't mind if someone that a home where their kids playing at has a bunch of unsecured guns, like representative chip Roy from Texas, who doesn't care at all, leaves his own guns intentionally unsecured with kids running around the house. I don't even know how those guys can wake up and look themselves in the mirror and feel a bit like a man. Cause it, it, it defies every description I've ever heard of what it means to be a guy, a man, someone who stands up. Well, thank you. That's a perfect summary of, of what I, and why I wanted to bring you onto the show because I don't see what the yeah I don't have to follow the rules anymore what that obsession is uh, especially when it's something that uh, kills more children than anything else in the country now yeah yeah and what dad or what person since we are talking about men what man would say oh I want great freedom with zero responsibility I want the ability to do anything I want to do with no responsibility to any of my fellow citizens. And to me, that is just that's being the height of um, that's being the height of selfish and and really petty. So I yeah I agree with you. And the military does a great job of securing and storing their weapons. They have a protocol for it. And I say, well, they're st they're stepping up to the plate. And uh, a lot of these weapons are you know I understand their role in the military, but if you feel that you always have to be armed for every interaction. I think that you really should take a step back and ask yourself a few questions. You know, why do I feel like I can't handle myself in the 99.99999% of the situations I'm going to be in that aren't going to involve me having to subdue another human being with lethal force? You know, I'm not a big guy, but I walk around the world and I feel confident. You know, I feel confident that uh, I can handle myself. Not that I'm going to win every fight or that a tragedy can't befall me, but, you know, I still get in my car confidently, even though I know, yeah, somebody could T-bone me at an intersection, you know, and I'm going to get killed. 
I don't get in my car thinking I better like put an extra barricade around the car and, you know, wrap, wrap myself in cellophane. You know, I, I, I think that it, 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 there really is a point where you have to ask yourself, you know, I don't mind people who have guns that they use for self-defense, but there's a sense of like, you can't move around the world at all. And then you watch a, like a, a six-year-old, uh, 10 year old girl selling Girl Scout cookies, you know, at the, at the local supermarket, she's not quivering in fear. You know, she knows she could get shot. Every, every kid knows that that's a real risk today, but they're not quivering in fear. And so I think there is something to it where, uh, you know, I think they've been sold a bill of goods that it means that you're protecting your family by having lots of guns in your house. And the opposite is true. The stats go up dramatically that your kid's going to commit suicide or a neighbor's going to come in the house uh, and play with the guns or, you know, what we're seeing right now play out in Parkland where a school shooter is going to come along uh, depressed, bullied, uh, not detected somehow in the system, although it's mind boggling what, what, what is missed sometimes. But uh, that school shooter is going to grab the family gun, Parkland, Sandy Hook, dead kids, dead, dead, dead kids like my kid. And uh, my kid died from an unsecured gun at a neighbor's home. But I can only tell you that if you walk in these shoes and you can't see the point in a law that just says kids around, lock guns down, there's just there's just something wrong. There's just something wrong in your head with with how you perceive reality, you know, because the pain that you inflict by not having that law out there is is monstrous. What was the turning point where you decided, okay, this is who we are now? We're now activists for this. Because there's a lot of grieving in, in everyone's life when they lose someone. Um, and I and some people don't get over it. So I I understand that there has to have been a moment somewhere. Could you fill me in on that a little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you are absolutely paralyzed for a long time, you know, months really of, of like almost a paralysis where, you know, every single thing you enjoyed was tied up with your family, your kids, uh, you know, you go to a, a restaurant that you went to with your that, that son and that empty chair is always there. It's this empty chair thing. You see it. And it all it unlocks, it opens up this Pandora's box of just grief and memories that play in your head like a, a terrible reel, you know, that you see over and over again. But there, there was one uh, one moment where uh, I do remember feeling really empowered, and it was when Emma Gonzalez, who now calls herself X, uh, who we actually were at an event together with, uh, who I really admire tremendously gave the speech at Parkland because that was 14 days after Ethan was shot and killed. So we were still in the depths of, of despair, but I watched her do her speech. And she said the whole idea about, we call BS. It was a great speech because she repeated that phrase in a powerful way that I saw change happening right there. And I felt it inside me and I'm forever grateful for her and David Hogg and that entire movement for, for going out and, and really trying to, to, to march and, and move for ch real change to get people registered and to get people like this. So that was one big turning point for me. Um, another one was a vigil that was held for my son by my dear friend, uh, Scott Markovich in, in our town. Uh, that was a turning point where I, I, we were at the middle of the night. It was a freezing cold gin. It was a February 2nd, maybe or third. And I do remember uh, being held the microphone and I couldn't speak. And I just said, just everybody just say this with me. We love you, Ethan. And for me, it was really profound. The whole, everyone just said it all at once. There's maybe a thousand people crammed onto our town green. And it was almost like uh, some kind of strength came into me from the community that we weren't saying, oh, Ethan's dead and gone. We were saying, we love you. 
in a way that he was sort of with us in the present tense. And that was a very powerful moment. And one other third moment where it was very catalytic for me was that we have some relatives who are very um, just, uh, they're extremely uh, conservative and probably love Donald Trump and, and love everything that he stands for. And they came over the house maybe four or five days after Ethan was gone. And, and what they did was I, I knew that it was coming. They actually, if you can imagine, you know, they actually started to try to get into a second amendment debate with me about how I couldn't go and pass a law. And I just remember being triggered by that in a, in a positive way. Like <laughs> we're going to pass this law. And my wife is a force, as you know, a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, so I think those were the moments where inside me, I could feel like this visceral thing changing and I felt myself regaining strength. You know, I wouldn't say I was back, but I said, you know, I'm, I'm climbing back on my feet now. I'm, I'm starting to feel like, you know, I'm going to fight instead of kind of just cry. And I, I did a lot of crying. Then I decided I was going to fight. And then, you know, we just met all these great people like Jeremy, who you just talked to, Poe Murray, uh, you know, the whole movement is really a bunch of beautiful people, including yourself, you know, just, just so enjoyed meeting you and talking to you. And, um, and of course, Manny Oliver and Fred Gutenberg, and, you know, you can just go down the list of these people are making history and they're, I mean, they're, they're very inspiring to me. So they, they pump me up every day. When you do have a face-to-face -face conversation, um, do you get enough do you get pushback from a gun owner? Do you get still that tension that's there that I think weapons bring to a conversation? I mean, do you still get it even though you're you're completely genuinely openly saying, look, this is what can happen to you. I don't want this to happen to anyone else. Uh, and that, that still doesn't seem to drive home for everyone. Yeah, I, I, I will say in defense of many gun owners, uh, they've been incredible. They've changed almost on a dime like the second they heard that we've lost a child, there is still something in them that they they understand. These relatives were just, uh, they were very comforting in many ways, but just completely, you know, tone deaf in others. Uh, and then you meet the person who is um, just going to, um, they just don't care. You know, they they really, they're just not empathetic people. Uh, one in the, the hearing where Ethan's Law was passed in the state of Connecticut with broad bipartisan support, a, a guy came in just, Testo you know, talk about, we're talking about this issue of men and it's just, you know, obviously just testosterone raging and screaming about taking accountability. And his whole thing was like, it was all our fault or it was all Ethan's fault. And we're like, the kid's 15 years old. Uh, there's a parent in the house who's completely, uh, and, uh, and this guy just uh, was absolutely arguing that he wouldn't have to ever take responsibility or accountability for his weapons. Actually, Jeremy was at this event that I know you just spoke with Jeremy Stein and it was kind of funny because another guy came up to me and he came up to me and he said, you know, locks can be picked. Like you can, you can take a safe and break into a safe. So what's the point of having a gun safe? And, you know, I just, I just said, boy, like, so if your kids are like in a city where in, in, in a bad section of town and they're in their hotel room, you'd recommend that they not lock their car, not lock their room. You know, it's, it's, in, that's the insanity level to which they, they would get to with this debate, but pretty much that's been going away. And what's left is just a very small contingent of people who I think personally, their families look at them like they're crazy when they say, oh, kids should be able to handle guns. Like this representative, Chip Roy from Texas is nuts. Like I, I honestly would say to him, Chip, if you ever see this program, Chip, man to man, 
I'm, I, you know, I know I'll never change your mind on a lot of things, but please just, you know, you don't have to tell anybody, you don't have to tell me, you could say, I'm a, I'm an idiot. I'm a snowflake. Lock your gun up. You know, I, as much as I dislike your politics, I know that what it feels like to be a father that, that doesn't have that child in their life anymore. And I tell you, Chip, uh, and all other guys like that, you're being stronger by protecting your family and you can protect them by locking up your guns, statistically speaking. And so uh, you can fantasize about the, you know, the diving for the gun on the coffee table with three-year-old kids in the room, barrel rolling as an intruder comes through your window, you know, but it's not how those things ever play out, right? you know, so rare. Is there and anything think, um, else that you wanted to, I we want our listeners to know about what you're up to or? Just that we're, we're constantly working on better ways to articulate to the whole country, unsafely stored guns, kill kids. That's what I wanted to say. And Ethan's law uh, is actually moving through the Senate right now. So if you happen to live particularly in a red state and you can call your senator, because we passed it in the House, which was a huge victory. Like you said, that was a big step forward. It wasn't winning the war, but it was a big battle to win. And so we've made some great progress and we feel a lot of energy around this issue. And we know that just having the debate causes gun owners to think about where they've secured their guns. So I hope you'll go to songstrong.org and and uh, you know, join us and uh, follow us on Ethan Song's Acts of Kindness page on Facebook or uh, Kristen Song three on Twitter or Ethan's Law two on Twitter. That one's me. And I just, uh, you know, we just we feel like the country is really waking up, and we're in it for the long haul. You know, we're gonna go till we till we till the end to try to get this to become the law of the land. Well, it's time to end our show. To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at gazeagainstgunsny on Facebook and Instagram or gag no guns on Twitter. And another great way to get involved is by becoming a BAI buddy. A BAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. Help keep us on the air here at WBAI to bring you this gun violence prevention news show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or give to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thanks for listening and have a great and safe day.